Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Anthony Taylor. Anthony is managing partner of SME Strategy. I've been looking forward to this conversation. I love strategy and I'm, I'm guessing Anthony does too, uh, based on SME Strategy. <laughs> now, it's so important. I think we're, we're all going to learn a lot from this conversation. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jono. Happy to be here and excited to chat with, your, with you and your people. 
So first of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do as managing partner at SME Strategy and, and what you do across the board at SME Strategy? Yeah. So uh, what we do, we help leadership teams do two things fundamentally. One of them is get aligned as a group and as an organization as to where they want to go. So we call that like a one destination. So we help teams escape the multiple destination trap and move them towards one destination. Um, and then we support them in implementing their plan to get there. And we do that through leadership training, through you know accountability, um, through individual coaching. And it's a really cool experience seeing a company kind of moving in a bunch of directions to moving in one direction and then really working together to be high performing uh, and accomplishing their goals. So it's a, it's a fun job and I don't even consider it work. <laughs> I'll take, I take that back. Sometimes it feels like work. <laughs> no, I love it. I love what you do. I think it's so important. Uh, tell us about Anthony, tell us about your story. As you look back, even as far as childhood, what are some of those moments along the way that really shaped you becoming the person and the leader you are today? Um, well, so I started off when I was a young lad. I had my first kind of business. I delivered newspapers at nine years old and I uh, sold lemonade at like the bus stop uh, to try to make money. So I was always very entrepreneurial. And then I had my first job at 14. And I said, hey, you know, what's the next job that'll pay me the most money? And I said, oh, I'll become a bartender. Um, and then I, you know, that was kind of a 10-year career in, in waitering. And, and why I referenced that is it really helped me communicate with people. My entire job was talking to people, talking and listening to people. Um, and through that time, I was volunteering with a couple of nonprofits um, just to support them. Um, and at the same time, kind of starting uh, one of many businesses where I was, um, kind of coaching entrepreneurs. I had a couple businesses at the same time. Uh, I ran two coffee shops, had an ESL school. I put on rock concerts. I had a, a couple online startups, serial entrepreneur life. And uh, through that nonprofit work, I found uh, I was invited to a strategic planning retreat um, that I found super impactful um, for uh, the organizations that I was working with. And I said, hey, I could do that. And then really, you know, my next career shift there was even post bartending was said, Hey, I'll be a consultant because those guys do okay. And, and really just uh, in true strategic planning fashion manifested and created the kind of career and life that I want today. And uh, I'm married uh, very happily and we are expecting our first child in August. So that's pretty exciting too. Ah, that's awesome. Uh, my wife, uh, Liz and I, we're expecting our first child in April. So there you Amazing. go. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. same, same cohort, same cohort. There you go. Love it. Um, so what did you learn from lemonade stalls and paper run? <laughs> like, I love that as a nine-year-old, you were doing that, but um, do you remember any moments? It doesn't have to be during, doing those jobs, but when you were younger, do you have any big aha moments of like, oh, maybe not, maybe everyone's not like me when it comes to this real passion to start things and make money and entrepreneurship was there any moment like that in your younger years where you looked around and went oh maybe maybe this isn't normal maybe this is something unique to me well i definitely knew that i was abnormal from a, a young age but um you know the the inflection point of entrepreneurship or not is you know one of my best friends tyrell he's a teacher and we've had conversations at length about, you know, hey, you know, risk profiles for individual people are different and that's totally okay. Sydney doesn't have the risk profile, has no desire to do it. Um, I took a lot of flack for being an entrepreneur when I was young. People thought it was stupid. They made fun of me. I got teased so much because instead of, you know, going out to a party, I, you know, I had an Amway business at a time. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to, you know, create my future. And, you know, now in dad, dad life, soon to be dad life, the reason I wanted to be an entrepreneur was so I could have control of time and spend it with my future family. So um, I was just really focused even at a, at a young age on really what I wanted, what was control of my life and to be able to, um, you know, work with or do stuff for my family. Um, <laughs> but I just, I just liked it. I liked I like doing that stuff. It was fun. And that's kind of why I say that uh, there's a great quote that I live my life by, which is, um, you know, basically says the man 
either working or not working. Nobody can tell what he's doing. And I kind of really try to take that to heart. And it, it escapes me now because it's late in the day. But it's a quote by James Mishner. The, uh, yeah, I'll get you later on that one. But I just like doing <laughs> entrepreneur stuff. And I, it doesn't even feel like being different. It's just what I'm here to do in the world. Yeah, I really resonate with that. It's funny. Um, the I've had people say to me, oh, wow, you know, I really admire that you started your own business, Clarity. Uh, how do you do it? And I always want to say, I don't always say this, but I always want to say it's, it's the question for me would be, how could I not do it? Like it's mm. so, it's so ingrained in me and it feels so natural. Um, and I mean, it's not that it's always easy and it's not that I always get it right, but definitely the idea of running my own business and starting my own thing has just always been in me. And it feels, it feels very natural for me to be doing it so much so that I, I do think, well, the real question would be, how could I not do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They say, you know, well, statistically, any entrepreneur, as you sure have heard, is kind of insane because there's a great uh, likelihood of failure uh, greater than average. And so um, and then there's also the kind of adage that you work 16 hours for yourself so you don't have to work eight hours for someone else. Um, <laughs> and, and as an alternative, you know, that's just what we choose. By the way, it's the master of the art of living which is the quote. Um, I just couldn't think of it at the time. So master of the art of living. Yeah. So um, one wonderful idea. I love that idea. And I certainly have talked a lot about that on this podcast that uh, I think hmm, the more I see it in action, when I chat to people who love what they do, the more I do believe that, yeah, you, you want to find work that you love so much that yes, sometimes it's difficult, but it feels it, there's a real life to the work you do that means this idea of work-life integration is definitely something that I'm probably leaning towards more than work-life balance. You want to find work that integrates into your life because you love it so much that why would you ever want to keep them separate? You, you know, they're all in one, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think the key part in the I wrote a book on entrepreneurship and I talk a lot about entrepreneurship and I'm in the life of entrepreneurship, but those levels, right. Where, you know, you work really hard and you, you're, you've got a high paying job and then you've got a high paying job with other people working for you. And then you like build the business where you are kind of like separate from your company in a way. And then you really have something that's powerful and scalable. So all of those stages and every, different people have different goals from their businesses. You know, not everybody um, wants to build a 10 or hundred million or billion dollar business and take over the world. Some people just want to sell flowers and be really happy. Yeah. And I think that there's uh, what's cool about the internet and the world right now is it's really democratized the ability to start a business and take control of your finances, um, especially through uh, the past two years. Um, you know, people have said, Hey, like it, the, the word like side hustle, it's not as kind of nerdy cool as it was before. I don't think it was ever really cool, but people are just like, Hey, I'm just trying to make extra money and do something I can. Um, one of my cousins is selling cookies. It's not that she's like, Hey, I want to grow this big business. It's something I, she likes doing and she wants to make some money and you know, kudos to her. Cause it's, it's awesome. And following your passion and doing what brings you creativity, get paid for it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's wonderful to be alive during this time because we forget, or I do anyway, I definitely forget and take for granted that even this, what we're doing right now, simply was not possible. The barrier to entry to do a, you know, to do it, to have a quality recording between you with your based on where you're based on the other side of the world to me, um, mm. you know, not that long ago was, was literally impossible or would have been incredibly expensive to do. And, and the barrier to entry now is so low and, um, I think it's so exciting and I definitely forget. I don't think about that often. I just do, 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 you know, you just sort of, Oh, wow. Okay. Everyone can, anyone can work from anywhere and connect to anywhere. Great. Yeah. No, but that's so, that's so cool. That was completely impossible. Not long ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know it's a, it's a very fun time, but with great power comes great responsibility, John. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. So you have to tell me those years as a bartender, uh, organizing rock concerts, um, you know, 
all those different roles that the entrepreneur life, when you were doing those things, do you have, are there any stories from that season that really, you know, where you, you uh, watched another leader, a mentor from one of those roles, really do an amazing thing where you made a massive mistake that you think, wow, that really shaped what I now tell others not to do. I know that's something that I've done a lot in my, in my career has made big mistakes and and now they're some of the areas I'm most passionate about. Like any, any um, stories from that particular season of your life? Oh man. Well, the, my first book was literally entrepreneurship lessons. I learned the hard way. So you don't have to is the name of the book. <laughs> so um, good. I wish I knew. So I've, I've, you know, we'd be here for more than a long time if we talked about those, but I think the biggest one for any entrepreneur and, and it's like really product market fit. So since we're talking about new entrepreneurs um, is, is, you know, building stuff that people don't want. Uh, I did that way too many times to count because it was, a, a, you know, I just like doing it, but man, how many times I've spent, um, you know, money, time and energy into stuff that, that wasn't uh, something that the market wanted, but again, I did it for fun. Um, and the other thing that really, drove me to the work I do now is, is taking on too many things. So entrepreneurs have kind of shiny object syndrome and we're trying to do a bunch of stuff all over the place. And sometimes that's really good because that free, frees our creativity. Then sometimes it means that you have a bunch of uh, half finished projects. And so, you know, what we do with leadership teams now is really help them focus at scale so they can maximize uh, their resources, maximize their impact um, and help them get that clarity. But I, you know, everything that I've brought me to here has been a culmination of, you know, 35 years, 38 years of mistakes. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Thank you for, for sharing that. And that's, I, I hope that people listening are finding that encouraging, particularly for young leaders who are, it's easy to, to hear people's stories and, and, you know, you can be like, you can really pick and choose, can't you, your stories if you want to. And it all, it all sounds like, uh, you know, you're so, some genius who's never put a foot wrong. And I always love hearing people say, you know what, I could tell you, I could keep you here so long telling you the mistakes I've made along the way, but that's how I learned. Um, for leaders who are listening and are going, hmm, yes, Anthony has a point <laughs> about those two things you just mentioned about really narrowing down and focusing on one direction rather than multiple directions. And, uh, and I, I want to ask you in a moment about uh, how to know if you crafting products and services that no one wants um, and what you learned about that. Cause I think that's actually pretty, that's prevalent in small and large companies. I think it's a big issue. I talk about it a lot on the podcast. Actually, I've been surprised how often it comes up. Let's start with the second one though. Leaders who are listening and going help. How do I know if I'm pushing in too many directions? I know it sounds like a silly question, but for someone listening as a starting point, what would you say to them if they were coming to you and going, help, how, how do I know if I'm going in one direction or not? Well, they probably know that they already have too many things to do. If I say, hey, does your to-do list have a million items on it? It's like <laughs> probably a pretty uh, good indication. No, but we've like really coined it like the multiple destination trap. Um, and, and the problem with the multiple destination trap as we named it is that it's actually very sneaky and you don't realize it's there. So the question we ask, teams specifically, and if I said, let's say, if you were 100% successful three years from today, okay, if you were 100% successful three years from today, how would you know? And if everybody on your leadership team has a different answer, you're all going to different places. Mm. That's so good. If you were 100% successful in three years from now, how would you know? Whoa, that's a great question. It's, 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 uh, yeah, I find it so powerful because people have no, I, sometimes they don't even know. And they say, well, then how the hell are you ever going to get there if you don't know where you're going? <laughs> um, but it, what I find is most people live in this zone of implied. It's implied that we're going to the same place. Well, we talked about this conversation, you know, I'm pretty sure we're doing that, but it's the doubt, the uncertainty, the lack of clarity that causes people to be unsure of doing the right things. So they spread their resources in a whole bunch of different areas because they don't actually don't know where they're going. So you need to figure out where you're going and then don't do stuff that isn't going to get you to where you want to go. It's <laughs> obvious but if you don't know where you're going, you don't have that kind of decision criteria as to what not to do. 
any uh, any stories that come to mind uh, and maybe you need to change some of the details if they're from clients, you know, change location, name, and et cetera, but, uh, or, or maybe they've given you a, approval to use them. Any, any stories that come to mind of teams that were going, at, you know, had really bought into the multiple destination um, idea and, and it was a, a real breakthrough for them to sort of um, solidify one destination together? Uh, honestly, Chano, every single one, <laughs> every because I mean, that's the, the work that we do. Every single person comes to us because they're moving in different directions and they need to get alignment. And sometimes they're actually aligned, but they think they aren't. And sometimes they think they are, but they aren't. And so it's moving from implied to what we call explicit to say, hey, this is what success looks like for th three years from now. And it's not necessarily getting agreement for everybody, but getting alignment on it and then figuring mm. out, you know, what, what do we need to do? So it's, you know, for us as facilitators, um, you know, that's what we do day in and day out. And uh, every yeah. single organization has the problem fundamentally. Yeah. Um, mm. And so that's why we're going to be in business for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think what you do is so important uh, for those listening who, really want to invest in this sort of thing. Uh, one of the questions that's popping up in my head is what does it look like to have explicit uh, communication around the one destination? Like say you help an organization articulate that. Have you found, does it matter what that ends up looking like? Is it on one page? Is it a, is it a document? Does that not really matter as much as like, what does it look like when you get there in yeah. terms of, in terms of clarifying it, not getting to the destination, but nailing the explicit communication of where you're going. Yeah, it, I mean, uh, the method and the medium for communicating it, you know, some people will have it manifested in terms of, you know, stuffed animals, and some people will put it on a one pager, and some people will have it in a PDF, and some people will have it in a PowerPoint, and some people will make a video about it. That's just the, the outcome. But, uh, you know, the example I, I use all the time when we talk about smart goals and performance and that kind of stuff, I say, well, if I say you wanted to lose weight, now, does that mean you want to lose an ounce or 40 pounds or however many stones, depending on where you are in the world? Well, the, the activities that are going to be required are very different if you want to use one, lose one ounce or 40 pounds. And then if you want to lose that 40 pounds, is that in two weeks or is that over the next 10 years and so it seems obvious when you say i want to lose weight but by how much to what extent by what date can create mm. millions of different things so if i say let's grow our business does that mean we want to grow it to 10 million to 100 million to a billion you know does that mean you know uh are we going to grow it in certain markets does it mean that we're going to be a product business does that mean we're going to be a service business yeah. Um, let alone what are we going to do to get there? So there's just so many different options that people could take. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really getting clear on if we're 100% successful, how will we know? And then many of our clients look back and they say, oh my gosh, we actually accomplished that well ahead of time because it was so specifically defined that they could know if they hit it where a lot of organizations um, don't do well is that they have these uh, conceptual, open to interpretation, uh, two aspirational visions that are either too far away or uh, unattainable because they're so vague. So that's yeah. our kind of antidote to that. Do you find um, that people struggle to nail down, a, a, you know, a buy when and a how much when it comes to, the 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 one destination do you find it's a it's a big challenge to get people to really decide together or, or like you said not necessarily all to agree but to to get aligned about what that is uh yes yes and no um depending on where you sit you're going to have a greater uh perception of understanding of, of parts of it so if you're a senior leader um if you're a ceo um, if you're very experienced with that kind of thing it might come very naturally um some people might not have uh the experience of specificity the problem with specificity is when you actually say i will do this by this date it puts your butt on the line and most people are very uncomfortable with that they don't mm. want to be wrong 
and they're only wrong to their self. They're not wrong to the world per se, but some people have a really hard time with that. But the way I kind of think about it is from a leadership team perspective, let's say you got a leadership team of eight people. um, You're just putting everybody in a room to have a conversation and everybody brings a different perspective. So it's like a puzzle piece and you need all of those pieces to make the full picture. So all we're doing is combining all of that to say, hey, where is the alignment between this group? What does that complete picture look like? And if you think of like a blueprint or, you know, the picture on the front of a puzzle, that's really what we're building. So once we have the picture, then we can figure out where the pieces go instead of trying to figure out where the pieces go with no picture. Yeah, absolutely. And do you, are you a believer in like, how do you recommend what's your sort of thought on best practice to break down the one destination into like you've got the four disciplines of execution sort of framework where you've got a wildly important goal and then lag indicators, lead indicators, you know, there's smart goals, all those different things. Do you have a preference or a recommendation for what you've seen work best in terms of how to break it down and start, you know, attacking it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of the methodologies out there for strategic planning, strategic execution are all very, very good. And the best one is the one that you do. Um, and so I'd rather somebody do something that works for them and, you know, uh, kind of process agnostic that said, we have our own process and it follows five steps, um, that is inspired by all of the kind of best, um, methodologies. And it's basically, where are we now? Which has a series of sub conversations. Where are we going? Which has its own series of sub conversations. Uh, what's going to get in the way what do we need to prioritize and focus on to get there? And then how are we going to implement it? And so, you know, we have this kind of standard vision, mission, values, things, especially for our leaders that might not be so familiar with this or are looking for a new methodology. Um, but we break it down to make it really kind of, and I'll say this in the most loving way, idiot proof. Like you yeah. don't need to have an MBA to be able to do strategy or think strategically. You, you actually you know, two smart people make it more complicated. You just need to be really clear about those five things and, yeah. you know, you can rock and roll. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I want to ask you about the other, the other thing that you said first, before you talked about the multiple destinations, you, you talked about um, the importance of what you learned about not um, creating products that nobody needs or nobody wants. Um what would you say once again, I'm interested to know if a listener might be wondering, thinking is, is what I do, have I really nailed making sure that I've built a product or a service our company has that people really want? Um, what do you see? Like, what would you say to a leader who sits down with you and says, Anthony, how, how do I know if I've really nailed that? I mean, it's probably simple. Like everything you're talking about is, is really simple. And I love that. What would be your response to that? Well, my super simple and blunt way is, are people giving you money for it? Uh, Because if they're not giving you money for it, then you don't have product market fit. Um, I I find most uh, established organizations go through iterations and they have some idea and understanding and they typically innovate from a, a, you know, an explicit need that's been stated in the marketplace versus entrepreneurs, startups, new businesses who have a concept. Um, Even myself, so with the case of the the strategy business, is I had to prove that people actually wanted. I knew there was a market for it, but if you think of like the product price place promotion kind of equation, you know, the first kind of half of the business, like five, six years, was just proving that that people wanted to buy what I was selling and from me specifically. I knew people could do strategic planning, but I didn't know they would buy it from me. Whereas I've had other stuff that I'm like, hey, here's like a nightlife website that's you know half in Japanese and half in English, and it's called Happening, which is a pun for anybody who speaks Japanese. Um, and uh, but like it was like a great idea, but nobody was willing. To, to pay for the value. So I'm a big fan of the value proposition canvas, big fan of the business model canvas. And, and I'm a big fan of making sure that somebody will pay you any sum of money for your thing and actually like make that uh, transaction. One example of that, Google um, 
some years ago, I think they were installing fiber internet into the Bay. And they said, well, we think people want this. This is Google, but before Google was as famous as it is. And they said, okay, we're thinking of doing this. And we said, great. And he's like, but you know, if we want to do this, like pay us $20 so you can be on the list. And that was their test. They didn't have anything to offer, but they were saying, hey, you know, pay us $20 and we'll put you on the list. They paid the $20. And for them, that was great. We have enough market demand for this that it makes sense to move it forward because people have actually paid and not a, of course, we'll pay you in the future. That's not good enough. You need to make mm -hmm. sure that like you get the cash in your hand and it'll save you tons of grief. And that's kind of, you know, what I try to help people do. I, I agree. I love that idea that only one only one opinion matters. And I struggle with this myself. And I see so many people uh, struggle with this. They say, what do you think? Is this going to, is this, is this good? What do you think of my sales strategy, my marketing strategy? It's like, you know what? Your opinion doesn't matter. No offense. My opinion doesn't matter. You, it's the market. If the market is, it will give you money. Then the answer is yes. <laughs> like the answer is it works. And if the market won't, the answer is no. And it's not working. And there's something about it that's not meeting the market. Um, for those who are wanting to say, start a side hustle, they're a manager, they're, a, they've, they've done, you know, really well, but they're sort of wanting to start their own thing, or they're an entrepreneur, and they're just at the start of an idea. What would you say to someone who doesn't have the capital and resources to, to really run a, a significant sort of test? Well, what are some thoughts on how you can find out whether the market is willing to pay when you're just starting out? I mean, you can do surveys. Surveys is a way to do it. Um, but people do pre-sales, like a lot of pre-sales um, go really well that you can say, hey, like lock your price in. Um, I see that with a lot of like product businesses, like e-products and stuff like that. Say, so, hey, I've got this idea to like launch a thing, like gauge the list, give people a really kick-ass deal um, to be the first ones. And that'll be really a good indicator of, of a product launch. Um, or you launch and you say, hey, it's open for a fixed amount of time and see how it goes. Um, and the tricky part is, um, that sometimes you don't know which of the things is wrong. You you could have a really great product, but your promotion is bad. You could have great promotion, but your price is too expensive or not expensive enough, which is a sick thing to think about. Um, and then, you know, maybe it's just not in the right place or maybe it's not getting to the right people. Um, you know, like Slack started off as an in-game messenger, like, so they had to pivot. Now they originally were like, hey, let's do this thing. We have this great idea that failed. But out of that um, came this just amazing product. So um, if you're determined enough, uh, I think anything is sellable. I, I think the, especially for entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs, there's this kind of balance between how long it takes you to get product market fit and how much money you can keep spending to prove that you're right. Yeah, I agree. I love uh, I love the book Blue Ocean Strategy. It's one of my favorite books, and uh, the th one of the things that's really helped me think outside the box that I encourage people to do is to is to you know we all that like traditionally even to larger companies it's easy to ask our customers um, and it's easy to look at our competitors. Right? It's like what do our customers want? Hmm. Let's ask them what are our, what are our competitors doing? Hmm, let's watch, let's, let's see what they're doing. And uh, one of the ideas that I love most from that book is that some of the best insights and the true blue oceans that have been um, developed have come from non-customers, you know, who are the people who won't use our industry like square? I think they talk about square in the, in the, one of the really updated versions of that book. And they talk about how square was square really hit a non-customer group. Like they didn't say, okay, who's using credit cards uh, and how can we make it easier for them? I mean, that is now part of their group, but really who they targeted was who can't use credit cards, who actually, mm. who actually, oh, sorry, not credit cards, who can't use FPOS, who can't have an FPOS machine because it's too much of a hassle, it's too expensive. And they hit that group. It's like the group that are non-customers. And the idea of the, I love the idea to really get us thinking creatively to say, don't just look at your competitors, look at alternative industries. You know, I, uh, as a consultant, I can look at, and I've been trying to do this for myself. It's always hard to consult to yourself, uh, but I try to do this with my, my, myself and apply this to clarity. It's like, okay, I could look at other thought leaders, other consultants, 
And that's one thing. But what are other industries doing? How are other industries um, packaging up their, you know, services, their products? How are they productizing? Like not just in consulting, but completely different um, different industries. And uh, like you mentioned there, taking something from gaming, but then pivoting and and uh, and and going across into a different industry. But I, I think when you're trying to create that's what I love about that idea is actually when you're at the point where you're looking at your product or service and scratching your head and going, how do I make sure I'm not just making something that I think is cool and I'm actually making something that is truly a value innovation as they talk about it in that book. Yeah. I think most people, um, they sell something that, like you said, that think it is cool. Uh, but if we use that square example, they solve the pain. And that's the only thing that motivates people. It's pain and pleasure. And uh, I, I would bet, and I think that most people would agree that pleasure is more powerful than pain, or sorry, the other nice way around, pain is more uh, powerful than pleasure. So figure out what the biggest pains of the people that you know the best are and focus on solving those. You know, for me, I don't know anything about fashion, so I'm not going to try to solve something about fashion because I'm just not equipped to do that. I don't get it but I do get business people and I do get sports and I do get entrepreneurs and mm. get all that stuff. So I'm uniquely positioned and you as a listener are uniquely positioned to solve some problem with your skills, experience, background, and perspective. But people don't pay for something that's kind of incrementally better. They will pay for something yeah. that solves a problem and they'll pay for it quickly. So that would be the number one thing. If they don't have a problem, then the, and I say this all the time, the benefit of the future needs to be greater than the pain of change. And part of that pain of change is, um, you know, spending the money for whatever it is. So yeah. um, if the benefit's not big enough, if the pain isn't big enough, then it probably isn't going to warrant uh, 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 an exchange of any significance. Do you have any advice around how to work out what is causing pain? Um. I really like the value proposition canvas, as I said before, but it's like a deep understanding to whoever you're talking to, because like Jono, yours pain might be different than your wife's pain, than you know, somebody else in your family, than your coworker. And so really recognizing that pain is both situational, pain and pleasure, um, and needs are also situational. Um, and so really making sure that you have that right timing, you know, for us, when we started our business, you know, we were really selling two day strategy offsites. We still do. And we say, well, great. Well, like most people are doing that. And so what are the biggest pains that they have around X instance? And then, so we created marketing collateral to address that. So when people went and Googled the pain that they had, they said, oh, these guys are positioned to solve our pain. And then they became solution aware. So again, I could talk about so many things, but it's really just <laughs> understanding your customer and kind of like positioning yourself in front of them with the solution. It's going to rain, give them an umbrella. They're at a sports game and they're thirsty. Make sure they can get a beer. You know, they're at a... Uh, a restaurant, well, make sure you present them with the best options that are going to help them have the best, uh, met best meal, which includes good wine, good food, good desserts. You know, don't make it hard for the customer, make it easy for them. Do you, are you a believer in really narrowing down, you know, exactly who your customer is? Do you find you're having to help your clients stop trying to market to everyone and really nail down exactly who they want to reach? Is that something that, that comes up a lot for you or, you, or do you not really think it matters as much? Uh, I believe it absolutely matters. Uh, we look at it as one of those kind of strategic inflection questions and we address it under mission and purpose. So why does our organization exist? What do we do and what do we provide and who do we provide it for so that we focus our 70% of our energy serving that customer and 30% mm. potentially serving somebody else. But it's one of those strategic decisions. If we try to serve yeah. all markets, we're not going to do it successfully. And so then you don't really have a strategy. You're just, you know, spreading your resources again. Yeah, that's great. That's great, Anthony. Uh, for those who haven't done that well, I've been working with some people recently who uh, really needed to do that process and we've been working through that together. So for those who are going, yeah, actually, maybe I have been trying to serve everyone. Is there 
anything uh, I don't want to ask you to give away, um, you know, obviously if people really want uh, a lot of help, they can drop you a line and, and, uh, and work with you guys. But is there any starting point you'd say to articulating who specifically you might want to work with for that 70%? Who's that one customer? Any, any advice? <laughs> uh, yeah. Figure out where you want to be in three years and then figure out which customer is going to get you there. Yes. I love it. I love it when there's a good theme. I love when things come back around <laughs> and I can see why you do what you do. It's very simple, very clear. And uh, no, that's great advice. And thank you for, um, for doing that. Well, let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few questions for you to finish today. Are you ready? Awesome. Let's do it. Okay. First of all, what's a, what's a book that you've gifted to others? Other than my own, what's a book that I've gifted to others? Uh, the 5 a.m. Club. I really like that book. Um, as a matter of fact, I've been getting up at five o'clock this week, not by uh, design. Well, everything's by design, uh, but it's a great book. Uh, it, it is pretty simple. Say, hey, wake up at five o'clock. You'll get more done. Um, I found it to be true, but it's a, a little bit more nuanced than that because it's about spending the time um, on yourself, investing in yourself in the beginning of the day um, so that you can have a productive rest of the day. Great book. Thank you. Great recommendation. Uh, now, and, and just any, any podcasts right now that you're enjoying listening to or, or right now, are there any books that you're in the middle of really loving or you've read recently? Uh, uh, the strategy and leadership podcast by SME strategy, but uh, that's a, a biased <laughs> choice. Um, that's I'm, good in the middle of reading uh, Scalable Revenue, um, which was written by the guys that did, uh, what's that company? Uh, one of those, Salesforce. I'm enjoying that one. I'm, I'm listening to like a Tony Robbins book on tape, um, which is, you know, from like 30 years ago, but it's uh, still pretty good. So those are the two things that I'm digesting right now. Great, excellent. You already mentioned a couple of fantastic questions. Are there any questions you haven't mentioned that are, go-to questions that you find yourself asking uh, teams, individuals a lot that you really love asking? Um, I always ask, I, uh, <clears throat> so I got two and they're kind of in different realms. One is when we look at goals and actions and, and once they've done the strategic priorities, and I say, would you bet, would you take a bet? Like, what's this worth to you that we get this done? And would you bet that you have enough action in terms of quality and quantity to accomplish it? And if you don't, then you're not going to win the bet. And there's probably, you know, a sizable outcome for you to actually make sure that's done. So make sure you go back and say, hey, have you built a sufficient plan to accomplish the goals? Um, the other mm -hmm. is I ask senior leaders, I say, how much time do you spend communicating in your work? And most senior leaders, if they're leading teams, will say something like 70 to 80%. And then I say, well, if you're trying to accomplish uh, immediate improvement in your effectiveness, focus on how you communicate, because that's what you spend most of your time doing. And some that, again, it goes to quality and quantity, but making sure you have the right uh, structure for communication to keep your team moving forward. So those are the two go-tos I have that we include all the time. I love it. They're fantastic. Uh, what's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Uh I recorded a podcast earlier today with somebody who teaches uh, adults and but is inspired by teaching kids and reminding people of their successes first. It's really easy to poo-poo on people and you know make them tell them what they're not doing right. Uh, but if you want to have great performance, uh, remind people the stuff that they are doing well, either individually or as a company, and use that as a foundation to to build from. Um, as you're providing feedback and supporting their growth. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what's a great piece of advice you've received? Um, what is a great piece of advice that I've received? Uh, my friend Christian from high school uh, once told me, uh, prepare hard, fight easy. And I, I've always <laughs> liked that one. <laughs> That's gold. That's fantastic. Thank you. Love it. Uh, what is a commonly held belief in leadership 
that you passionately disagree with? Well, I'm sure there's a bunch. What is it passionately held? Let me think about that one. Um, it could be business as well, not just leadership, because I, I think of leadership a bit more broadly. I'm thinking of business, entrepreneurship. Um, so yeah, maybe a commonly held belief across business for entrepreneurs, leadership that you just really disagree with. Uh, the first thing that jumped to mind is that it's hard. It's, it's, it's not that it's hard. It's a, just a set of skills you might not have yet. And so developing those skills and, and doing it the right way the first time, I, I think that now with communication virtually and, and all of that stuff, not that that's bad, is that it makes it really easy to try to sneak away from the tough conversations, like going through stuff instead of around stuff in terms of communication. And so it's not hard, but if you just don't have experience with it, you just don't have experience. So it's, you just got to build the skill set of leadership. And, and that's a big gap that I see, um, well, in the marketplace, but also yeah. with people. Love it. It's a great thought. Uh, a movie or TV show that really impacted you? I think my favorite movie is Bloodsport, but I don't know if that uh, if that counts in the, in the context of this. But um, <laughs> now it's that's great because... I always love saying some of the some of the recommendations we've had include Golden Girls, uh, Ali McBeal, Seinfeld. So Bloodsport, that fits. <laughs> Perfect. It's my it's my chance to really just get some great movie and TV show recommendations. No, I I enjoy asking that because uh, as leaders, yeah, we have really serious conversations about strategy and about all these things. But leaders, leadership, and you know, it's always just about people, and so. There's sometimes there's a really deep leadership principle. Uh, someone recently just mentioned Moneyball as a great movie about, um, which I was like, oh, that's so true. I've never thought about that. It's a great movie about disruption and like everything we talked about in terms of um, how do you like sort of disrupting an industry and bringing insights from an alternative industry into and shaking things up. And I was like, oh, I've never looked at Moneyball, you know, with Brad Pitt about baseball. I've never thought of it that way. So um, yeah, and then you've got, recommendations like Seinfeld, which I spent like 10 minutes chatting about with one guest because I'm a massive Seinfeld fan. So brilliant. Great, uh, great answer. Bloodsport. Love it. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I, just on Moneyball, the, I think that there's a great leadership lesson from Moneyball about delivering tough communication. Um, mm. And uh, I think if people embrace that, I think that they would be better communicators by just giving it straight when you need to, but uh, I'll let y'all watch the movie. Absolutely. You reminded me of another one, which I'll throw in there. And if you think of another favorite movie or TV show, go for it. Because this is just, this is uh, just one of my favorite parts of the podcast to recommend some really random things. But um, I love sport and I have to be careful. I try not to, to just talk about sport too much in the podcast because I know you've got to understand my customer, you know, the listeners, they're not all sport fanatics, but if you are, there's a great series that follows coaches through a whole season. I, I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called, but Pep Guardiola is the, is the uh, coach of Manchester City in the UK, uh, which is obviously they play football or soccer. And uh, there's a great moment in the season where they follow him. And it's where one of the all-time, like great player, misses the most obvious, easy, open goal ever. And it really costs the team. And I was watching fascinated and it's a great lesson because he does what I love from that book, uh, radical candor. And I've talked about it quite a lot, which is that when caring meets challenging, like when we can care and challenge for our people, it's that combination. That's great leadership. And, uh, that's what Pep Guardiola does with Raheem Sterling, the player who missed this obvious goal. He, he sort of comforts him. He's, he's there with him being like, you know, he's got his back. And then you're there. It's crazy. You're there when he's having this conversation where he's like, Hey, um, I'm going to, uh, I, I, I'm not going to start you for the next game because you just, you know, we have to be scoring those goals. And I just, I just was like, Oh, like it was brutal, but this is the team that's arguably the top performing soccer team in the world right now. And it was a great lesson in how to be, how to have your, people's back but at the same time he made a really hard call but he said it to his face he said it in front of the documentary camera too and i mean the guy was devastated raheem, raheem sterling but you could just see that he had the respect he respected his coach 
even if he disagreed, he knew that he cared about him and he told him straight. And yeah, it was just one of those moments where I was just watching almost holding my breath because it was so, it was such a tough conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why they get paid the big bucks and have to make those big decisions. And um, even as a CEO and leader, I find um, there's a couple things. One is if you're not working on the highest value activities and two, if you're not having those tough conversations, you're actually hurting your business or organization more than you're helping it. And you're kind of doing the thing that you're trying to avoid. And so when you realize that there's something so much bigger at stake than just your discomfort, it makes it a lot easier to kind of stand in that and say, you know, if I don't do this, everybody else is going to suffer. So, you know, getting that kind of yourself, uh, taking yourself out of the situation and thinking about the group uh, gives me personally uh, a a more solid footing to make uh, tough decisions and have tough conversations. I think you said that really well. In fact, I think you have a really great way of, uh, of unpacking things. I can see why you've written some books and and do what you do, Anthony, that was, and the podcast it's uh, you articulate that really well. That was great. One last question. Oh, did you have any other movies or TV shows that jumped in your head while I was talking about Pep Guardiola? Uh, no, not right now. Okay, that's right. I thought I'd check. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? If I could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, don't try to look good. <laughs> that's fantastic. Don't try to look good. <laughs> Wish I'd known that when I was younger. That's so Wait, true. You had mentioned, I think, I think you had mentioned, you know, like when you say, you know, you, you avoid, well, if you avoid tough stuff, if you avoid things because you're trying to make yourself look good, just like do the right thing and, and uh, you know, follow your gut and everything will become a lot easier when you stop, you know, talk, thinking about the critics and the doubters and just, you know, work with people. They'll be way more successful because you don't worry about what it looks like. That's such good advice. That's really good advice. And it reminds me, uh, one of my favorite quotes that I've heard that someone's mentioned in the podcast, I don't think they came up with it, but they mentioned it. And um, it's this idea, which I think young leaders really need to hear. It's sort of in the same vein of what you just said is um, there's no such thing as winning and losing. There's only winning and learning. Mm. And I, I think that's so true. You know, if you're a young leader, forget about how you look, forget about even sometimes whether, whether, you know, let go of perfect, that's for sure. But even just maybe relax a bit about screwing up and and about whether you nail everything perfectly and just just jump in and and give things a red hot go and know that even if it doesn't work, particularly for young leaders, you're going to learn heaps. And if you can be curious and learn and open and not worry about looking good, then even if you don't win in that one battle or that one game, you don't lose. You just, you learn. And that's definitely where a lot of my key learnings came from, which in hindsight, I was so scared and and horrified at the idea of failing. And now it was actually some of those failures that really led to me being so passionate about what I'm doing now. Awesome. I love it. I mean, that's, that's the best, the best case, right. And and failing is scary, right? So that's, again, it's, it's all about our, it is like you said, full circle. It's all goes back to the risk tolerance. So you got to be willing to, to fail, to be able to get to that, that next place. Otherwise you'll just stay where you're at. So good. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm looking at the clock and, um, uh, I just want to ask you as we finish, where can people find you? They they've heard they're going, Oh, I need to work with Anthony, or they just want to connect with you online read your book, your podcast, what are the different ways people can find you, Anthony? Yeah, thanks for asking, John Owen. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. Uh, people can find me, Anthony C as in cat, Taylor. Uh, that's not my middle name. C, Anthony C. Taylor on most <laughs> internet things. Uh, SME, like Sam Monkey Elephant, strategy.net. Um, you can find our company um, and then our strategy and leadership podcast where we interview uh, really smart people doing cool things um, on YouTube and SoundCloud and Spotify. And then YouTube, we've got, I don't know, 20,000 subscribers and tons of videos on on YouTube. So if you want to learn more about leadership, we give all of our stuff away for free, Jono, um, because we want awesome. it to be in the hands of people. And we know that they'll say, hey, we want to work with you. And I say, great, let's do it. Love it. And I uh, can just see the Google trend increasing for the search. Anthony Cat Taylor. Anthony, <laughs> Anthony the Cat Taylor. I swear I heard this podcast and his name was Anthony the Cat Taylor. Um, Anthony C. Taylor. 
that's uh but anthony cattail has got a nice ring to it man i know that's um let's make it a thing let's start it you you heard it here first folks (laughs) i think customers customers are going to lap that up i'm guessing that that is going to meet a lot of needs i really hope that was a cat pun by the way oh no no, no. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't. It was a complete accidental pun, and I love puns, so I wish it had been purpose. Okay. Well, ne- next time I'll, you know, I will make a cat pun here. But that was great. Uh, well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. This has been not only fun but also really challenging. I know a bunch of you have uh, are going to re-listen. That's one of those episodes. I think there'll be some re-listening. What did Anthony say there? Man, that hit me hard and um, in the best way possible. And and so uh, don't forget, we also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast, where I give you more straight up tips on how to cast vision and build a high performance team and seven, uh, not seven, sorry, the uh, the leadership question of the day, a different question every day to challenge you, put a stone in your shoe, as I often say, and make you uncomfortable uh, so you can grow. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you uh, to Anthony Taylor. I won't... <laughs> I nearly said it again. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. You are just uh, a lot of fun to chat with. Uh, Great wisdom. You articulate things incredibly well and um, just have have had a ball chatting with you. And and I think it'll help a lot of people. So thank you so much. Likewise, sir. It's been my pleasure. And I did actually, just as we finish, I came up with one more quote from a TV show, Parks and Recreation. Ron Swanson says, don't half-ass two things whole ass one thing and i use that every single time i work with a team (laughs) one of the great characters of recent television ron swanson (laughs) thank you i'm so happy to end on a parks and recreation quote uh what a wonderful way to end the episode and if you haven't seen parks and recs go and watch that as well it's good for your leadership awesome thank you Jono. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And, you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders 
become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, John o. White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. 